Hi, I'm a reporter. <laughs> How far is the tower? Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Spoil the Warning podcast. This is review number 381 with a review of The Walk. I'm Christopher Schneezy. I'm Stéphane Millier. <laughs> and if you're joining us for the first time, the Spoil the Warning podcast is a weekly film review program. Each week in the show, we're going to dive in, debate, discuss, and argue over the latest film releases coming to a theater near you. This week, we're going to be stringing our high wire up between two buildings and bringing you our deftifying review of The Walk. The Walk! The Walk! Uh, how are you doing this fine evening, Mr. Stephen Miller? Doing good. <laughs> After a few technical difficulties, I've managed to stage a coup in the company office, set up recording cables here. So <laughs> it's time to make something beautiful. I'm assuming you had to like, use a bow and arrow to shoot the cables into the office window that somebody left open and then... Well, I, I didn't have to, but I did. <laughs> oh, yeah, naturally. <laughs> Just inspired. The, the building called to me. <laughs> Why use your key to enter the building normally when you could, you could do the key? <laughs> <laughs> There's no beauty in that. The audience, the audience knows if I use a key. They know I'm lying. <laughs> I, do, I do not use the word key. <laughs> it is not in my vocabulary. Oh... Uh, trying to get all the uh, attempted accents out at the beginning of the episode because uh, maybe we won't feel the need to do it later on. Yeah, it's better to get them over this time. <laughs> but yeah, um, how, how, how excited or not excited are you for this review, Mr. Steven? I'm quite excited, actually. I, I really wasn't that into the idea of this movie at all. I think I kind of bagged on it to you and Carson when the trailer first came out thinking like why why is robert zemeckis doing this why do we need this movie there was a great documentary about it already what is he even going to talk about for two hours (laughs) um and yeah we'll find out in the review but i believe it is a much more interesting movie than i gave it credit for yeah, I, th- I think the the trailers as they came out were a little bit weird. I mean, Joseph Gordon-Levitt looks a little strange in his get-up, uh, his line de- deliveries. In the trailer, they pick, like, the most awkward moments for him to deliver dialogue, like him, like, standing in front of the TSA or whoever it is. Um, back then, it wasn't TSA, right? It was. Mm-hmm. It's probably just customs or whatever he's in front of. But, like, he's like, I'm going to hang my wire. <laughs> <laughs> and he's just, like, he's doing, like, this weird head bob and, like, pumping out his chest. Like, that is right. I have a briefcase full of things. And it just, it made for a very strange um, tone that you could assume the film might have. Yeah. Um, the film may or may not actually have that same tone. But uh, even if it does... It may or may not work for the film. Yeah, the the tone out of context may be different than the tone in context. Yes, yes. Objects in mirror may be closer than they appear. But yeah, what do you say we get into the episode? Let's take a step out on the wire. <laughs> All right. We are going to contemplate removing the weight from the building onto the wire while you guys listen to a trailer for The Walk. And then we're going to come back and give you a review. People ask me, why do you risk death? For me, this is life. My dream. Two magnificent towers, 100 meters taller than the Eiffel Tower itself. 
What do you think? <laughs> I don't know. It looks so... So... Beautiful. Beautiful, yes. And dangerous and <laughs> completely insane. And you're a madman. Yes, I'm mad, but this... Uh, this is my dream. Then if it's your dream, you must do it. But even if everybody tells me I'm mad... Well, you shouldn't care about what other people think. Okay, but I care what you think. Welcome to New York. Anything to declare? I'm going to hang a high wire between the two towers of the World Trade Center and walk on it. <laughs> Good luck. No matter where I was going or what I was doing, I was always searching, looking for the perfect place to hang my wire. I need you to help me pull this off. I got just the guys. Now it starts. Come on, make it snappy. I'm in a red zone. I'll figure out how to get the wire across. I think we should wait. No! This is extremely illegal, not to mention dangerous. to wear a safety belt underneath your costume attached to a safety line. I am not going to do this walk with a safety line hanging off From of me. From that height, it will be invisible. No one will have any idea. Years ago, you told me something I always remember. You said you cannot lie on stage. The audience will always know what is inside your heart. It's time to step on the wire. I don't know if I'll be able to take my first step. Your heart will tell you what to do. The man is obviously crazy. Are we just here to watch him die? This isn't a game, Philippe. One mistake out there, and you're going to die. So that was the trailer for the uh, the walk. Did I say the wire before? <laughs> I was gonna say it should have been called the wire. I bet they were pissed <laughs> off that that TV show came out already. <laughs> I never did. Like, where's Omar? <laughs> That's a character in the wire, right? That I is a character on the wire. <laughs> I, just, I just wanted to pretend like I was cool. Yeah. No, it was cool. <laughs> um, but anyways, so the walk, which is the name of this film, is uh, Zemeckis's telling of the the uh the man philippe petit right something like that yes yes okay um uh and he uh strung a high wire between the two towers of the world trade center 
and walked across it. And this is the uh, the narrative version of of that story. So, Stephen, uh, what did you think of this film? As if I didn't know from the text that you sent me when you <laughs> left the theater. Yeah. So, uh, I think I'm turning into a pretty sappy person, like <laughs> like more sappy than usual, um, because th- this movie is a total. Robert Zemeckis movie, which means like Tom Hanks was there, and yeah, Tom Hanks might as well have been there. <laughs> he yeah, was it's fully like CG. Feel good movie with like a narrator looking in the camera and nothing, you know, all positivity and a sort of like huge love of CG. And yeah. I really, really enjoyed this movie. I I found it totally infectious. Um, I think what I liked about the movie is it it never takes itself remotely seriously. Like, <laughs> ha- have you seen the movie Amelie? Yes. Okay, so maybe only because of the French, but I feel like th- this has the kind of playfulness <laughs> of that movie too, where there's like, there's a narrator, there are characters who are behaving in kind of, hyper-real isn't the right word, cartoonish maybe ways. Um, they behave in a kind of like playful way, the dialogue is silly, characters are outrageous. <laughs> Ben yeah. Kingsley shows up and he's just like a total caricature of a human being. Um, the, the main guy hides his high wire inside of a lunchbox. Yes. <laughs> um, it, it just had this fun vibe about it. I, I was, I remember I was seeing a random French guy showed up and I thought like, huh, what if John Ralphio from Parks and Rec showed up, Ben Schwartz, and then he was the next character that walked in the room. <laughs> so yeah, it, it just was a really playful, light movie. And then by the time it comes to the the set piece of the film, because there's one set piece of the movie, basically, um, I think it's just fantastic. I, I think the moment the camera gets you up on the two towers and we're preparing to perform the walk and then the walk is being done, it it just had this kind of beautiful tone and very, like, tranquil tear jerky feeling i i don't even know how to explain it i i love the documentary man on wire and i think i was very cynical about this movie coming out because i thought why on earth do we need it a documentary already covered exactly what happened but i think what a documentary can't do especially one that didn't have video footage is tell you how it feels to be up there like to be standing on such great heights (laughs) doing this remarkable kind of silly unnecessary feat and (laughs) and this movie really captured for me why it would be beautiful and terrifying (laughs) and crazy to do this and yeah it just put me in a place where i felt i felt really warm and happy um i thought it clearly was kind of relying a bit on the September 11th, you know, undercurrent, but it never addressed it too openly. Like it never hit you over the head with it. It was just kind of a a beautiful little story. And I think Joseph Gordon-Levitt, I thought he was actually great for this role. He He has this kind of really fun, playful energy that just totally works. I mean so much of the movie is him like looking into the camera and talking to you. And I think he's one of the few people that could pull that off and have it be charming. And he totally does. 
um, yeah, I, I really, really liked it. It answered what Meru didn't answer for me, which is why would a person risk their life for no reason? <laughs> yeah, no, it's funny that like that, that's one of the points that I wanted to hit on too is the fact that like, you know, so, so I hadn't seen Man on Wire before literally like 30 minutes ago when I finished watching it. So, I mean, I'd heard that it was good. I knew that this guy did this walk and I was like, okay, cool, whatever. Um, but like besides like the the Meru sort of like it's there and nobody's done it yet, I want to do it thing. Um, besides that, there wasn't really a sense of like why this guy did that, um, how much he had to go through to actually do it. <laughs> Not just like, oh yeah, he, like usually when you see somebody do like some crazy stunt like this, like it's it involves preparation and like crews and like you don't really think about the fact that no this is like an illegal thing the person just did and went yeah. through a lot of trouble to actually make this work and uh and then did it um but like what i really loved about what the film did, did is it made me care about him accomplishing it more than just oh cool he's doing a thing that somebody hasn't done before it was more of a sense of like you really get uh, uh philippe's like you really get his desire for stringing his wire, like something that he builds that he can place in an environment that is like higher and higher and more and more dangerous and how like he really feels the most like peace, like his like his enlightenment is stepping out on this wire and yeah. having it suspended in like the highest possible point that he can. And like, it's not just like, oh, cool. He did this big stunt and it was fun. And like, yeah, it was the coup and, and all that kind of stuff the film has. There's really a sense of like, it, it, like you get the sense that it was calling him. It's not just like, this is his white whale that he's got to like kill. It's like, there's some spiritual sort of like longing that he has for it. And it's really the only thing that matters to him. Mm -hmm. Um and I really love that the film executes on that. Um, I wasn't really expecting that in the film. Um, and like, you know, we were joking at the beginning of this about the, like the zaniness of it and how, um, you know, I was kind of like, well, you know, the trailer made it seem kind of dumb and silly and that may or may not work for the film. And I really think it does because like there's a, there's a ton of moments in this film where like characters are saying like, okay, now he's insane. Like he was already yeah. kind of crazy, but now he's literally like certifiably insane. And like, I think it does take an insane person to be able to accomplish something like this. Oh, you think? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I, I just mean that like he is insane but it's like a beautiful insanity of of like it, it, it's he's driven insane by the thing that he's passionate about not like he's just a crazy man who's like you know what? i'm gonna fly today you know yeah um, i i think what, what's remarkable about the way they sell it is if you met a guy on the street who said he was going to do this or who did do this you would be like Oh, that's one of those crazy people. <laughs> like, yeah. that's one of those crazy art people who thinks his art is changing the world. <laughs> but somehow, the, this movie makes you believe that it's true. Like, it makes you think, yeah, that is a beautiful thing, and you should go and risk your life to stand between two buildings. And, and the other thing that's interesting about it too is like, because it is this illegal thing that he's sort of just doing on his own. Like, it's this, this like culture jamming sort of thing that he's kind of doing it's like he there's no guarantee that 
until he's been like he has to stay on that wire long enough for people to realize that he's out on that wire you mm-hmm. know what i mean like most people don't just look up <laughs> you know so there's like a sense that like he's doing it only for himself but the longer he does it for himself the more other people get on board with it and it's it's i don't know there, there there's a weird aspect to um w- like what he's doing and who he's doing it for. Cause it's not like, come watch me perform this act. It's like, I'm doing the act and you're either there for it or you're not there for it. And if you aren't in that moment, then you weren't a part of it. Like other people who were there, who saw that happen, like th- from that far on the ground, there's, there's not, there's not a lot that you're, it's a guy walking across a rope, you know, mm-hmm. like <laughs> the, the one thing I kept thinking about during the watching the film is when you're bouncing on a rope, there is technically no difference between that rope being five feet off the ground and 110 stories off the ground, right? Right. Like it's, unless you fall, there is very little difference between the performance itself. Like, yes, the, you know, the, you're, you're more subject to like winds and shit like that or what, whatever's going on up there. There's, there's definitely a difference, but there's also the sense that the act is the same whether you're on the ground or in the air. Mm-hmm. There's not a real technical feat that's different. So it's like when you when you think about what he's doing, you're like it's crazy, but then once he's doing it, you're like, it's it's not really that crazy until you look down. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I, I think the other side of that too is that part of the quote art of his performance is in the danger of falling, <laughs> which is kind of interesting. It yeah. it isn't like what he is doing is new. It's only that this guy would absolutely die if he failed. <laughs> yes, yes. I mean, I, I always thought that, like, the the people who do these walks should have, like, hooks on the end of the pole that they're, that they're, they're bouncing with. Mm-hmm. So that way, if they do go off to the side, there's at least a chance that they can, like, hook the cable on their way down <laughs> and, like, catch themselves in a way. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But I guess that you know, then then you're alleviate. It's part of his reason for not wanting to use a, a safety cord, you know, because it's a lie. <laughs> um. <laughs> so I'm I'm wondering. You you mentioned the zaniness of the movie. How how did you like the movie building up to when he comes to New York? Because I feel like that must take up a good like 45 minutes of the movie, and I can't say I remember it very much. <laughs> That you're talking about like him. Well, because here, here's the thing. So all of that stuff isn't in the documentary. Like the documentary doesn't even reference the person who taught him how to right. hang a wire, right? Like, so like is Ben's Kingsley char- Ben Kingsley's character completely fictitious? I have no idea. Because um, I assume that like he would have mentioned that guy in the documentary. You know, when they're interviewing the dude who did the walk, he could have been like, oh, I owe it all to like Ben Kingsley. <laughs> yeah, Papa, whatever. I owe it all to a man of ambiguous ethnicity. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but but yeah, so so I I enjoyed all that stuff. Um, there's also great payoffs, mm-hmm. you know, with like Ben Kingsley and the gift that he gives him at the end. <laughs> and like there's little like emotional payoffs and stuff. And you you get to kind of see him slowly build this this like it's like he's building his entourage right yeah that are these people who are going with him and he's sort of like he's doing it in these really really weird ways and, and it's kind of like like those people like so 
obviously he could not have done this without the help of a lot of people, right? That's the whole thing is he has to build like a crew of people who can help him achieve it. But like he's doing something that, as we've mentioned, is certifiably insane. So you need to see why people, why strangers would join him on this journey that he's going on. And because the film does such a good job of him being like this really charismatic dude who you just want to see him succeed, like he's so playful and joyous and happy about like, what he's doing that like you can see why people would buy into it and sort of like follow him right like like they're oh i'm gonna go on this quest with him because this guy is awesome yeah um so i I, like technically you could have made this entire movie like them sneaking into the building and setting up the wire but i think getting the story of him meeting these people who become his crew members uh it's it's part of the story that I think is interesting and it didn't I didn't feel like I was never at a point like come on let's get to the event already I was more like let's see these guys planning and stuff you know like it's 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 a it's a reverse heist movie you know in a sense like they're they're trying to break in to plant these objects so they can complete their job it's like they're trying to pull an inception right (laughs) (laughs) um um so also, I, Joseph Gordon-Levitt defying gravity. <laughs> true, true. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I have no criticism of that part. I only, I realized in hindsight, I think I was just in a, um, in a blank, happy feeling <laughs> while watching all of it. It it wasn't really memorable so much as just like 45 minutes to an hour of a very pleasant tone. And then in my mind, it really hit its stride like emotionally yeah um so did did you see it in 3d i did i saw it in imax imax oh. 3d um i'm assuming like once you get on the wire that's pretty rad i oh best 3d i've seen in a long time definitely worth it i'll tell you my oops didn't get to see it in 3d story real fast and then you can tell us how awesome it is um but basically i found out that it was playing in 3d at the theater in in alameda so i was like oh well, i don't have to drive up to the oakland you know area and go see the movie there in that that screen which would have been 3d imax i can just see it by me but then it turned out that it was it turned out that it was one showing a day of that film was 3d the rest were all regular hmm. um but like when i looked up the times it didn't explicitly say that so i ended up just seeing it in 2d but that that's a shame and i guess i can't know because i didn't like close one eye and compare what 2d would have felt like <laughs> um <laughs> all i know is some combination i believe the 3d had a lot to do with it but some combination of visual effects really gave you that vertigo feeling of standing up and looking over the edge um it it really conveyed that depth of depth of field in a way that i haven't seen Probably since Gravity, and I think Gravity is a much better movie than this. I'm not, I'm not trying to equate them <laughs> that way, but that feeling of distance and scale, the movie at least in IMAX 3D really, really nailed it. I, I was actually like, trembling a little bit when he was getting on the wire. When he would look down, I actually felt that little jolt of fear of looking down from such a high place, and then a gust of wind comes and even though i know he's not going to fall nothing's going to happen <laughs> but it really put you there in a remarkable way i'm i'm curious if the 2d one had the same effect on you 
It, I mean, it it did in some minor sense, but there was also I had I had the whole Meru effect where I was like, it's right there. It's not that far away. Like there were there were points where you're looking from one tower top to the other, <laughs> and mm. I was like, it doesn't seem really that far away. <laughs> like I know it's supposed to be like 114 feet or whatever the the guy said during that like press conference when he's like, hi, I'm a reporter. <laughs> How far is the tower? <laughs> and can you tell me in meters so <laughs> that would have been awesome um but uh like i know it's the distance was further than it felt but there were there were moments where like it seemed like he was like oh let me just skip over to the other side real fast and tell my buddy something interesting i never felt that i think the 3d did make it feel quite a bit further away <laughs> yeah i know I, i'm i'm definitely sure that it that it did um, I guess it's like you mentioned Everest compared to Meru. Having the 3D made you think, oh, shit, that is a very distant focal point. Yeah, yeah like people are very insignificant to the thing they're standing on right now. Yeah, and, and I do want to bring up alongside like the the depth effect and the real feeling of being there. I thought visually... I this did not m- use the word depth. <laughs> <laughs> I never say depth. I say parallax. Opposite of 3D. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't even make sense <laughs> anyways continue sorry yeah so i i do think visually this movie had a lot of fun playful touches kind of like i don't know 500 days of summer the secret life of walter Mitty, stranger than fiction came to mind like there were moments especially in the planning phase where he'll be sketching something and looking at a paper and then the camera is watching him through the paper and you can you can see what he's writing and you can see kind of the texture of paper peeking through. Yeah. Um, or him, like, he'll draw a line and then it will suddenly cut to that actual line in the world or showing the wire forming beneath him. Um, one of my favorite visuals is when he when he first takes that step out on the wire. And right before he's doing it, clouds are everywhere there's no ground there's like nothing but him and wire and the moment he steps onto it the clouds just vanish and he's up you know a hundred stories in the air and little things like that that they're not subtle or necessarily like the most artful thing to do but I I really loved them. I thought it just had a lot of very flun fun <laughs> flun <laughs> flun flun. It had a lot of like fun kind of magical energy to it. Yeah. It was a very magical movie. Yeah, I, I like I'm, I'm. It's weird. I'm a little bit torn on all of those things because it. So that in the context of that scene, I really loved it because, you know, the characters is saying things like at that moment, everything disappeared. It was just me, the building and the wire and like the like fog slash clouds roll in and literally obscure everything except for him, the edge of the building and the wire. And it's really, really like it's it, as you said, it's really, really beautiful. Um, and then, as you said, he steps off and like kind of clears and we're back to the scene because that's that's sort of his moment in his head where he's visualizing everything and then when he steps out then we're back to reality but then like after watching man on wire like there's a scene where they talk about like earlier in the day there being like a shit ton of clouds out there and then they're like oh hope it clears up or whatever Mm -hmm. (laughs) and and then like when i take that in context with like a bunch of other scenes of of 
either inclusion of, of events that take place. There's like this, there's this sense that like the filmmaker was bringing the clouds in partially as a reference to the documentary where mm-hmm. they, they talk like, you, you know what I'm trying to say? Like, I don't, I'm not trying to get all conspiratorial here, but I just feel like there's, there's too many moments where things happen that don't necessarily drive the plot forward, but feel like they're in there because that's one bit of fact that we have about the story. Like even like the documentary opens with him nailing the crate shut in the hallway, the coffin, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Yeah. And in in the film, like he has that moment too, but like nothing is really served by that, right? It's there because it's a factual piece of data that like he had a dream about like, oh shit, I forgot to nail the lid into this box. Um, right. I, th- I think I can, I can see that the movie, especially building up to the big set piece of him actually walking between the towers. I don't think there's like one narrative vision that drives it forward. Like it definitely does have that kind of documentary feel where it tells you something just because it's true, yeah. not because it means anything. Well, it's like I, even, even in the doc, sorry, even in the documentary, the, the reference to like the apparition of the seagull, unless I'm in my, unless I miss part of the conversation when like you text me and then I looked back at the thing, like, I'm pretty sure that it was an offhanded con. Like those cops must have thought I was weird up there talking to a seagull. <laughs> you know, like that—that's the line from the documentary. But then it becomes like an actual scene in the film where he's like, "And then an apparition appeared to me." <laughs> like, yeah. And it's like, well, is that just there because in the documentary he references it, or is it there because it actually is important to the story in a way? Yeah, I don't know. All I can say is it. I think it's there because it makes a nice visual <laughs> in in a scene that maybe felt like it needed a little bit more to sustain itself. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I can see that. I would not put the clouds in that category, though. I feel like that was clearly just an artistic touch. And the fact that there were clouds in real life is, like, kind of <laughs> just orthogonal. A, just a coincidence. A coincidence. <laughs> you sound a little bit Southern. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of them coincidences. <laughs> Speaking of not sounding French, what is up with Ben Kingsley in this movie? <laughs> no, he, he's he's Czech, right? Yeah, he's Czech, but then he'll be like saying a French thing, but then his accent will completely go away. Like <laughs> when they're speaking English, they all use idioms like an American. Like <laughs> I, I don't know. It, I can't even really nitpick. The movie is too goofy to do that. <laughs> yeah, 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 I love how many times, like you know, in a found footage movie, how like. A lot of times they feel the need to remind you why the camera has to be there. Like, oh, oh, film this. Make sure you look at this. Yeah. <laughs> they did that with English, like the whole movie. <laughs> like, <laughs> wait, why are you talking in English? Because I'm going to America. I need to practice my English. <laughs> and then for no reason at all, they make a character who can't speak English. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, well, it turned out factually this guy couldn't speak English, so we can't make him speak English. But, but that, then later... That just goes back to my thing of like things that are true in the story because they were true in real life slash the documentary. Yeah, but, but then later there, he's like doing his final meeting where he's coaching them all on what they have to do, and it's all in English, and the guy is sitting right there. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I'm fine with it. I actually was pretty pretty impressed with without me knowing french uh joseph gordon levitt's ability to burst between the languages kind of a way like bilingual people i know definitely do that like where you just flow in and out from one language to another 
And I thought he did a pretty good job. <laughs> Granted, it was usually when he was angry and cursing in French. So <laughs> maybe that's a little easier to do. But as a dumb outsider who doesn't know anything about French, I, I actually bought him for the most part. Like when he's talking to the girl, when he first meets the girl, he's like, oh, your American is very pretty. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I much like the American better. <laughs> um, so I'm wondering, how did you feel about the... There's a kind of cutesy narrative framing device where for a lot of the movie, Joseph Gordon-Levitt is standing on, I think, like the torch of uh, the Statue of Liberty, yeah. um, talking to the camera and pointing out at where he achieved this. Did I thought like I enjoyed the playful tone of this movie, but like if anything felt a little too cute, I think that's what did for me. Well, I mean, it it still sort of wraps back to um, my comments about the like feeling like it's borrowing from the narrative of the documentary, mm-hmm. because in that story, it's also like being recounted by the man who walked. So. Like in this, they use that as a narrative device where it's sort of him having like climbed up to the top of the torch and like sort of like jumping around and doing magic tricks and like flipping a hat on his head and like doing all these things. And he's kind of showing his character and recounting this the story so that we can like it's this this is the story he could be telling us over drinks. But instead, he wants to do the story as a performance because that's kind of who he is. He's a guy right. who performs. Um, So in, in general... I it weirds me out that it feels so close to the documentary, but at the same time, once again, like Joseph Gordon-Levitt playing that character is is so kind of fun and playful that like I give it a pass. Like yeah. I I see what it's doing. It feels like it shouldn't be done that way, but at the same time, it it just works for me. Like it, it's rather than having like one moment where he's like breaking the fourth wall like he is like the entire movie is framed in him presenting to us the uh uh the the entire story in this way i mean you you didn't you didn't see uh, tomorrowland but like they do the same thing like the film starts with like a character addressing the camera and like telling us how we got to the point we're at now i hope it's george clooney it's george clooney yes okay good <laughs> Um, but like in that, it feels like less interesting because like you're not cutting back to him really that much and you're not like he, it's because the story is being told from a character who's zany. It makes sense that the story comes to us in such a zany sense. Like it, it, it just, it helps make it that much more kind of silly and crazy. Um, as opposed to just like a narrator like <laughs> if it was just tom hanks's voice <laughs> reading like and this is the story <laughs> like, I'm, not, I'm not gonna when i this. was eight years old <laughs> i got my wire <laughs> <laughs> no I, I i feel you i i think some combination of the character of philippe petit and joseph gordon levitt's charisma sells that move even though it does violate that like show don't tell dictum that usually is like a pretty good rule of thumb. Um, like, cause here literally they just found a device to make a character be able to tell you what they were thinking and how they felt at every moment. Um, but all, but all he, he's French. He doesn't know American uh, film construct. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Um, I, I actually think, did you ever see Hodorowsky's Dune? I did not. 
okay, you should. <laughs> this actually kind of reminded me of that because that is also like narrated by a, a very person. zany, eccentric <laughs> person telling you this crazy scheme that he hatched and the like the heights that he went to achieve them. Um, and that movie too, like Norm, if I ran into Hodorowski on the street, I'd think he was a maniac probably. <laughs> You'd probably um, give him a few bucks and change. Yeah, give, give him $4 and say like, here, buy a sandwich. Get yourself some warm soup or something. Yeah. But in the context of them delivering the story of their dream, even if you don't believe their dream was necessarily groundbreaking, it it puts you in their head enough to vicariously want the dream to work. And yeah, yeah. I think that's really the magic of this movie. Like when I came home and I told Victoria about it and I said, yeah, I really liked it. I even teared up a little bit when he got on the wire. Not afraid to say that. <laughs> totally happened. Just a little bit. And she looked at me like, why would anyone do that? That's just a desperate person trying to <laughs> why, get attention. Why, why would anybody tear up <laughs> no. at the end of this movie? No, why why would a why would a person do that walk? Like, isn't that just a pathetic, like a desperate person trying to get famous, even if it'll kill him, just to be remembered by people? And like I, I think maybe there is an element to that that drives all kind of eccentric people who want to leave a mark on others and make a big statement but i think if you sit down and watch the movie it would be hard to feel that way you you become fully petite enough to feel good about what he's doing well the other thing too is like in i mean in the documentary there's like you know a little short thing at the end where it says like he sort of like experienced fame really quickly or whatever Mm -hmm. um but like in the context of the film he, his character doesn't r- really care. Like he wants to have done the most crazy kill ever, mm-hmm. but he doesn't necessarily want the f- fame of it. Like he wants the tale of it to be known around the world, but he doesn't care that he gets fame from it. Just that the event itself, like. Like, he wants to go down in history of having done it, but he doesn't want to be a rock star, I guess, is the better way to say it. Mm-hmm. Did I mean, did is that not the way you felt? No, I, I felt that, too. I think okay. that that's kind of one of the magical things the movie does is makes makes you genuinely believe that ego doesn't drive this action. Yeah. And I, I think that definitely makes all the difference. What I What I am curious about, and I kind of forget if the documentary goes into this, is how did people on the ground feel when they were watching him? Did they feel like they were watching something beautiful or were they just terrified that he was going to fall? Well, like there's a bunch of things at the end of the documentary where he talks about people like using those words saying like what they saw was something beautiful. And like, there's like a cop who says that like, maybe that was the actual movie. In the actual movie, a cop says like, oh, I've never seen anything like that before. Never going to see it again. Yeah, you know, like, <laughs> right. That's how New Yorkers sound. Perfect. <laughs> um, and I think in the documentary they reference like certain people like seeing him on the street or something like that. Um, I could be wrong. I, I watched it like twenty minutes ago, but I still can't remember. Um, but I feel like people reference it as being an amazing act that they saw that was crazy. Um, I'm sure 
in the moment of it where like nobody really knows what's going on, but like they can sort of see something happening up there. There's still like a sense of like you, you always secretly want them to fall, right? <laughs> right, a little bit. <laughs> like like there just just recently there was a guy who like tried to walk across like half of the Grand Canyon or something like that. And I remember like being at somebody's house and they put it on and I was watching it and like in the back of my head there was sort of like a what if he just fell? <laughs> That's how I feel every time David Blaine would do, like, a new thing. You're like, what if he actually starved to death? Yeah, what if he just drowned in there? (laughs) What if he never woke up? He just, he's in his little coma that he puts himself in for this trick and it just never came back. I I think the thing is you don't, I'm not sure you secretly want that so much as the the moment you believe that won't happen, it isn't fun anymore. (laughs) Like, you want to think that that very well could happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I, I agree. Like you, you like if if you take into context my my point before about how like being on a wire 110 stories up isn't a whole lot different than being on a wire like four feet off the ground. Like the more that seeps in, like once you see him just sort of walking back and forth on the wire, you like the longer he's on it, the less scary it becomes. Um, especially when he starts doing things like laying down on it mm-hmm. when you're like, like, that's actually, I'm glad that I, I did watch the documentary so I could see video of him laying down on wires because that seemed so not real to me. Yeah. <laughs> like I was like, he didn't lay down on the wire. That's <laughs> stupid. Yeah. I think every move he makes on the wire comes from the documentary. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just one of those things where it's, there's there's an aspect to the longer he exists in the precarious situation, the less precarious it seems. Just mm-hmm. because, like, well, he's got this. Like, he's got mad skills. Like, yeah. once once you become good enough at something, it doesn't really seem that frightening. <laughs> I think one of the ways the movie manages to keep that adrenaline is it only shows you basically two performances he's done. And one of them, he fails and falls. So... <laughs> The movie doesn't convince you that he's a master so much as he is a man who really wants to do the walk up there. Um, And I think the movie is playing with time. Like, I think there's five years in between when he first decides he wanted to do it and when he would actually do it. But because the movie kind of jumps from his initial failure modes to his success, it, it definitely made me feel watching it that he could fall no matter how confident he got. Uh, yeah, the, like the the one thing about his his initial like fall is that fall, like when he's in his his earlier thing that he does fall in is uh, like a little shitty event that he's doing for these people who really don't give a shit. And it's very much like sold as it wasn't that he isn't skilled enough. It was that like there were people making enough of a distraction that he just got screwed by the people around him. Mm-hmm. So when the cops show up at the end, they're like, yeah, use guts to get off that wires. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's when, that's when I'm like, oh shit, like now things are going to get real because these cops are going to be like heckling him. And what is he going to do about that? Because what if he get distracted and stuff? Yeah. Um, so it kind of comes back for me. Like, I didn't think that that initial fall mattered in the context of his skill. But then once, like, the cops show up at the end and they're, like, you know, you're upset that he's out dangling on this wire, and then it kind of, like, brings itself back 
in like a you know a callback to that thing where I start to worry again. So I went from like being like, oh god, this guy's just like too good to fall, <laughs> to like, oh shit, what if he fell? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have to say too, in 3D, that moment where he lays on his back is really really scary. Like yeah. that that's probably the primary moment where like the depth difference between him and the ground is most obvious. Yeah. Actually, the the one part that was really intense for me conceptually, because like, you know, you're seeing him walking on this, this bar and, you know, but he, he's, he looks so proficient at it that like nothing seems that crazy. But there's a scene where he sets his his bounce beam onto the rope and then kneels outside of mm-hmm. the the cable like he, he basically you know kneels down but with his knees on the bouncing beam not on the rope and like it just seems like a not stable <laughs> way to sit on a bar right or, or a cable um so that was one of those things where i was just kind of thinking like wow well, how how and why and what is happening right now mm-hmm. um do you have any more to add? I don't think I have much more to add. I I don't think I have much more to add. There w- <laughs> one shot that really bothered me in the film <laughs> was the shot of him walking on the wire while giving the girl like a piggyback ride. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she was so sitting like on a on a bench harness thing. <laughs> like it was the stupidest looking shot I have ever seen in my life. I was in too good a mood to notice it. It was so I, I awkward. I believed everything. Oh, it was bad. It was like they had a swing behind him, and she was sort of like, well, just touch your knees to his ribcage, and it'll look like you're hanging on him. <laughs> but anyways, um, yeah, I mean, that, 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 that's, that's the last thing I need to say about the film. <laughs> it was just the one silly thing. Um, but anyways, yes, so should we get to our verdicts then, Stephen? Yes. All right. Why don't you start us off? If you were going to give this a must-see, a recommend with a caveat, a wait for rental, a pass with a caveat, or a must-avoid, what would you give it? I got to give it a must-see. I think this movie is just super charming, playful, led by a charismatic lead. And even if it does all build up to one 20 or 25-minute sequence, I think that sequence really is a powerful moment. Um, Yeah, I I really like this movie. Between this and The Martian, it's been a really positive couple weeks. (laughs) (laughs) Not taking into consideration, like, the two films that we skipped and then, like, the other stuff that we haven't gotten to see because it's not playing everywhere. Yep. It's it's actually been, like, really hard to see all the movies to actually put out reviews. But in theory, <laughs> based on the stuff we have seen, it's been not too bad. <laughs> of course, you didn't have to watch Pan, so. No. <laughs> you know in China they called it The Walk? I feel like you've already told me that joke. <laughs> I have. <laughs> but it's still funny. In a different context. I compared it to the Bradley Cooper movie. Oh, yeah, that's right. Oh. <sighs> Good times. <laughs> Anyways, uh, for me, I'm going to give it a must-see also. Um, it's, it's, not, it's not a perfect film, but I think it's such a happy film. Um, like, I, I don't even think that I experienced the feels as much as one Stephen Miller did. But not even having reached that it's still it's still an incredibly fun film and uh 
yeah, like I, I really, really enjoyed it. Um, my actual theater going experience wasn't the best. There was a couple in the theater who were being very obnoxious and uh, pretty sure they were fooling around during the beginning of the film. And then they were just flat out talking the second that Joseph Gordon-Levitt stepped out on the wire. And mm. I really wanted to throw popcorn at them and uh, do stuff, but whatever. Couldn't do it. I just had to sit there and try to focus on the film. But even amongst somebody attempting to ruin my time in this film, I still had a great time. So there you go. Two must-sees. Yeah. My going experience wasn't the best either. My um, I don't know if they're just new IMAX 3D glasses or if they've been this way for a while. But the pair I had was like very reflective and kind of like smudgy on the edges. And huh. if I looked out of the corner of my eye, there was this weird color distortion where everything was like purple and orange. Weird. Um, and I was sitting close enough to the screen that like my field of view always had that periphery with it. That's so not good. I, I managed to ignore it after like 20 minutes. But for a while, I was like, what the hell? <laughs> what is happening? Yeah, I'm, I'm assuming that you didn't arrive at Chris time. You arrived at Steven time. I arrived That's... in between. But I didn't okay. put on the 3D glasses till the 3D movie started. Uh, well, just just for future reference, if you see a 3D movie, you definitely want to sit further back, especially if it's a, a larger IMAX uh, 3D movie. Um, you will want to sit more like three quarters of the way back and as close to the center as you can, mm -hmm. because that will help you get the best uh, presentation, so to speak. Thank you, Chris. Here's 10 euros <laughs> thank you <laughs> i'll put it in my pouch <laughs> anyways so, <laughs> so i think that's gonna do it for this episode then uh mr miller if people want to find you throughout the week where can they do that uh they can go to twitter.com slash s david miller or s david miller.com uh people can find me over at christopherinreallife.com or twitter.com slash christopherirl you can find the podcast over at thespoilerwarning.com where you can find a bunch of the back episodes of the show. If you want to know when the episodes go live, you can follow us at twitter.com slash spoilerwarning or like us at facebook.com slash thespoilerwarning. If you want to get a hold of us directly, you can send an email to fans at thespoilerwarning.com. You can use the contact form on our site or you can call and leave us a voicemail at 760-575-4TSW. That's 760-575-4879. Music for this episode will come from the soundtrack to uh, The Walk. So hopefully you are enjoying that. Can our closing song be The Wire theme song? The Tom Waits one? <laughs> sure. Okay. Have you not seen The Wire? I don't know what that is. So you can let me know what the song is. And then... I'll shoot you a link. All right, shoot me a link. And then I will add that. And you will be listening to The Wire. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, thanks for joining me, Stephen. Thanks for having me. And we will see you guys on the next review. Bye. Au revoir.